0: Hello, friends. It's October 21st, and this is the One Year Bible Tour Guide Podcast, where each day we read more of the Bible, making our way through all 66 books in one year. My name is David McAdam, pastor and Bible teacher in Concord, Massachusetts, and I am pleased to serve as your tour guide. My purpose is to encourage you to take in the vast scope of God's redemptive history as recorded in Scripture and take heed to Jesus' word to recognize that they are part of his story, testifying of our need for him and for our need to trust his saving work. Our plan is to finish up Paul's first letter to his protege Timothy today, and we will start his second letter to Timothy tomorrow. Let's start off where we left off in the Old Testament yesterday, the book of Jeremiah, the weeping prophet. Yesterday we saw how Jehoiakim rejected the word of the Lord, even cutting it with a knife and casting it into the fire. Throughout history, people have tried to destroy, suppress, and outlaw the word of God, but they have failed. The word of God cannot be bound. The enemies of the gospel forget that Jesus said, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words will never pass away. In Matthew 24, verse 35, Yesterday we saw that even though the king had tried to destroy the word of God, with King Jehoiakim cutting it up and putting it into the fire. The Lord ordered another copy, and the word of God grew and increased. Those who try to destroy the word will find themselves destroyed unless they repent and believe the gospel. As we pick up our reading with Jeremiah chapter 37, Jeremiah is warning another king, this time Zedekiah. So let's start reading with verse 1 of chapter 37 of the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 37. Jeremiah warns Zedekiah. Zedekiah the son of Josiah, whom Nebuchadnezzar king of Babylon made king in the land of Judah, reigned instead of Coniah the son of Jehoiakim. But neither he nor his servants nor the people of the land listened to the words of the Lord that he spoke through Jeremiah the prophet. King Zedekiah sent Jehuchal the son of Shelemiah, and Zephaniah the priest, the son of Maaseiah or Maaseah, To Jeremiah the prophet, saying, Please pray for us to the Lord our God. Now Jeremiah was still going in and out among the people, for he had not yet been put in prison. The army of Pharaoh had come out of Egypt, and when the Chaldeans, who were besieging Jerusalem, heard news about them, they withdrew from Jerusalem. Then the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet, Thus says the Lord, God of Israel, Thus shall you say to the king of Judah, who sent you to me to inquire of me. Behold, Pharaoh's army that came to help you is about to return to Egypt, to its own land. And the Chaldeans shall come back and fight against this city. They shall capture it and burn it with fire. Thus says the Lord, Do not deceive yourselves, saying, The Chaldeans will surely go away from us, for they will not go away. For even if you should defeat the whole army of Chaldeans who are fighting against you, and there remained of them only wounded men, every man in his tent, they would rise up and burn this city with fire. Jeremiah imprisoned. Now when the Chaldean army had withdrawn from Jerusalem at the approach of Pharaoh's army, Jeremiah set out from Jerusalem to go to the land of Benjamin to receive his portion there among the people. When he was at the Benjamin gate, a sentry there named Erijah, the son of Shemaliah, son of Hananiah, seized Jeremiah the prophet, saying, You are deserting to the Chaldeans. And Jeremiah said, It is a lie, I am not deserting to the Chaldeans. But Uriah would not listen to him, and seized Jeremiah and brought him to the officials. And the officials were enraged at Jeremiah, and they beat him and imprisoned him in the house of Jonathan the secretary, for it had been made a prison. When Jeremiah had come to the dungeon cells and remained there many days, King Zedekiah sent for him and received him. The king questioned him secretly in his house and said is there any word from the lord jeremiah said there is then he said you shall be delivered into the hand of the king of babylon jeremiah also said to king zedekiah what wrong have i done to you or your servants or this people that you have put me in prison where are your prophets who prophesied to you saying the king of babylon will not come against you and against this land now here, please, O my lord the king, let my humble plea come before you, and do not send me back to the house of Jonathan the secretary, lest I die there. So King Zedekiah gave orders, and they committed Jeremiah to the court of the guard, and a loaf of bread was given him daily from the baker's street, until all the bread of the city was gone. So Jeremiah remained in the court of the guard. Chapter 38 Jeremiah cast into the cistern. Now Shephatiah the son of Matan, Gedaliah, the son of Pashur, Juchol, the son of Shelemiah, and Pashur, the son of Malchiah, heard the words that Jeremiah was saying to all the people, Thus says the Lord, He who stays in the city shall die by the sword, by famine, and by pestilence, but he who goes out to the Chaldeans shall live. He shall have his life as a prize of war and live. Thus says the Lord, This city shall surely be given into the hand of the army of the king of Babylon, and be taken. Then the officials said to the king, Let this man be put to death, for he is weakening the hands of the soldiers who are left in this city, and the hands of all the people, by speaking such words to them. For this man is not seeking the welfare of this people, but their harm. King Zedekiah said, Behold, he is in your hands, for the king can do nothing against you. So they took Jeremiah and cast him into the cistern of Malchiah, the king's son, which was in the court of the guard, letting Jeremiah down by ropes, and there was no water in the cistern, but only mud, and Jeremiah sank in the mud. When Ebed-Melech, the Ethiopian, a eunuch who was in the king's house, heard that they had put Jeremiah into the cistern, the king was sitting in the Benjamin gate, Ebed-Melech went from the king's house and said to the king, My lord the king, these men have done evil in all that they did to Jeremiah the prophet by casting him into the cistern, and he will die there of hunger, for there is no bread left in the city. Then the king commanded Ebed-Melech the Ethiopian, Take thirty men with you from here, and lift Jeremiah the prophet out of the cistern before he dies. So Ebed-Melech took the men with him and went to the house of the king, to a wardrobe in the storehouse and took from there old rags and worn out clothes, which he let down to Jeremiah in the cistern by ropes. Then ebed the Ethiopian said to Jeremiah, Put the rags and clothes between your armpits and the ropes. Jeremiah did so. Then they drew Jeremiah up with the ropes, and lifted him out of the cistern, and Jeremiah remained in the court of the guard." King Zedekiah sent for Jeremiah the prophet, and received him at the third entrance of the temple of the Lord. The king said to Jeremiah, I will ask you a question, hide nothing from me. Jeremiah said to Zedekiah, If I tell you, will you not surely put me to death? And if I give you counsel, you will not listen to me. Then King Zedekiah swore secretly to Jeremiah, As the Lord lives, who made our souls, I will not put you to death or deliver you into the hand of these men who seek your life. Then Jeremiah said to Zedekiah, Thus says the Lord, the God of hosts, the God of Israel, If you will surrender to the officials of the king of Babylon, then your life shall be spared, and this city shall not be burned with fire, and you and your house shall live. But if you do not surrender to the officials of the king of Babylon, Then this city shall be given into the hand of the Chaldeans, and they shall burn it with fire, and you shall not escape from their hand. King Zedekiah said to Jeremiah, I am afraid of the Judeans who have deserted to the Chaldeans, lest I be handed over to them, and they deal cruelly with me. Jeremiah said, You shall not be given to them. Obey now the voice of the Lord in what I say to you, and it shall be well with you, and your life shall be spared. But if you refuse to surrender... This is the vision which the lord has shown to me behold all the women left in the house of the king of judah were being led out to the officials of the king of babylon and were saying your trusted friends have deceived you and prevailed against you now that your feet are sunk in the mud they turn away from you all your wives and your sons shall be led out to the chaldeans and you yourself shall not escape from their hand, but shall be seized by the king of Babylon, and this city shall be burned with fire. Then Zedekiah said to Jeremiah, Let no one know of these words, and you shall not die. If the officials hear that I have spoken with you, and come to you and say to you, tell us what you said to the king, and what the king said to you, hide nothing from us, and we will not put you to death, then you shall say to them, I made a humble plea to the king, that he would not send me back to the house of Jonathan to die there. Then all the officials came to Jeremiah and asked him, and he answered them as the king had instructed him. So they stopped speaking with him, for the conversation had not been overheard, and Jeremiah remained in the court of the guard until the day that Jerusalem was taken. And this concludes our reading of the Old Testament portion today from the book of Jeremiah. And now let's take a few moments to recap and reflect, highlighting important observations. You may remember that in Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9, we read, The heart is deceitful and incurably wicked. The chapters we read today illustrate how the weakness and wickedness of the human heart were on display in King Zedekiah. Jeremiah had prophesied the truth to King Zedekiah throughout his reign, but neither he, nor his servants, nor the people of the land listened to the words of the Lord, which he spoke through Jeremiah the prophet. Jeremiah chapter 37, verse 2. Zedekiah was influenced by public opinion, the counsel of the false prophets, priests, elders, and court officials, as well as his own sinful leanings. Despite this, he continually makes hidden appeals to Jeremiah. He sends others to Jeremiah with a prayer request in Jeremiah 37, verse 3. A sign of faith? Not really. His heart will not yield to the word of God, despite his private desperation. Zedekiah asks for a private audience with the prophet and asks, Is there any word from the Lord? Jeremiah 37, verse 17. Jeremiah proclaims that even though situations may appear to have changed, God's message has not changed. He declares, You will be handed over to the Babylonians. The Babylonian and Chaldean siege against Jerusalem had temporarily ended because it appeared that the Egyptian army was coming to defend Jerusalem. The Jews, who walked by sight, now claimed to have reason to reject Jeremiah's prophecies. Zedekiah thinks that if he treats Jeremiah more kindly, releasing him from the vaulted prison cell, the dungeon built in the house of Jonathan the secretary, Jeremiah's prophecies might change. The officials are angry at Jeremiah's discouraging prophecies. Where were God's promises of victory? Where were the promises of no weapon formed against them prospering? Weren't they guaranteed God's favor and exemption from judgment? After all, their city was the city of God, and they had the temple of God. Jeremiah was preaching gloom and doom, therefore they decided he must be put to death. Then the officials said to the king, now let this man be put to death, inasmuch as he is discouraging the men of war who are left in this city, and all the people, by speaking such words to them, for this man is not seeking the well being of this people, but rather their harm. Jeremiah chapter 38, verse 4. So King Zedekiah said, Behold, he is in your hands, for the king can do nothing against you. Jeremiah chapter 38, verse 5. One cannot help but think of a similar situation when Pontius Pilate, who tried to wash his hands of responsibility when faced with the crowd's demands for the death of Jesus of Nazareth. Jeremiah experiences the fellowship of our Lord's sufferings. At first he is despised and rejected, though free to come and go among the people. In Jeremiah 37, verse 4, then he will be falsely accused, unjustly imprisoned, summoned to indulge the curiosity of the king, beaten and thrown into a pit. Jeremiah faithfully discharges the burden of the Lord, speaking the word that God had given concerning the coming judgment upon the city. He tells the officials, Thus says the Lord, Do not deceive yourselves, saying, The Chaldeans will surely go away from us, for they will not go. For even if you had defeated the entire army of the Chaldeans who were fighting against you, and there were only wounded men left among them, each man in his tent, they would rise up and burn this city with fire jeremiah thirty seven verses nine through ten When the Chaldean and Babylonian army withdraws because of Pharaoh's army threatening to join forces with Jerusalem, Jeremiah attempts to leave the city as he goes through the gates. He is falsely accused of treason. Jeremiah chapter thirty seven verse thirteen reads, "While he was at the gate of Benjamin, a captain of the guard whose name was Erijah, the son of Shemaliah, the son of Hananiah, was there and he arrested Jeremiah the prophet, saying, You are going over to the Chaldeans. Jeremiah is led like a lamb to the slaughter. He is given no fair trial. He is given no defense. He is imprisoned in the dungeon that was built in the house of Jonathan the secretary. Zedekiah summons Jeremiah to appear before him privately. He is still curious to find out what the Lord has to say. He gives orders for Jeremiah to be released from the dungeon. Instead he is to be held under guard in the courtyard jeremiah chapter 37 verse 21 from this new position jeremiah continues to prophesy the unchanging message regarding the future judgment the officials reject god's plan for their salvation they are tired of hearing this discouraging news they themselves want the preeminence they want their city to be the center of all things jerusalem was their idol jeremiah prophesied its destruction they now call for Jeremiah's death. Then the officials said to the king, "Now let this man be put to death, inasmuch as he is discouraging the men of war who are left in this city and all the people by speaking such words to them. For this man is not seeking the well-being of this people, but rather their harm." Jeremiah chapter thirty-eight verse four. Jeremiah is then thrown into the cistern of Malchijah, and he sinks into the mud. An Ethiopian eunuch, Ebed-Melech, meaning servant of the king intercedes on Jeremiah's behalf. Thirty men are sent to rescue Jeremiah from the miry pit, lifting him from the deep cistern with padded ropes. It is interesting that Jesus is betrayed with thirty pieces of silver. The number thirty is often associated with redemption in the Bible. Jeremiah is rescued with thirty men. Once again, King Zedekiah asks for Jeremiah's counsel. Do not hide anything from me. Jeremiah once again communicates to king Zedekiah God's plan for his salvation but he refuses to heed it in fact he does not even want his officials to know that he was discussing it in Jeremiah chapter 38 verse 24 the reading ends on this telling note so Jeremiah stayed in the court of the guardhouse until the day that Jerusalem was captured Jeremiah 38 verse 28 this reminds me of a chorus i learned from medical missionaries kingdoms may rise, kingdoms may fall, nations refuse to heed God's call, but the word of the Lord abideth forevermore. Let's move on now to our reading from the New Testament. We will be finishing up Paul's first letter to Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 6, beginning with verse 1. Let all who are under a yoke as bondservants regard their own masters as worthy of all honor, so that the name of God and the teaching may not be reviled. Those who have believing masters must not be disrespectful on the ground that they are brothers, rather they must serve all the better, since those who benefit by their good service are believers and beloved. Teach and urge these things. If anyone teaches a different doctrine and does not agree with the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ and the teaching that accords with godliness, He is puffed up with conceit and understands nothing. He has an unhealthy craving for controversy and for quarrels about words, which produce envy, dissension, slander, evil suspicions, and constant friction among people who are depraved in mind and deprived of the truth, imagining that godliness is a means of gain. But godliness with contentment is great gain. and pierced themselves with many pangs. But as for you, O man of God, flee these things. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called, and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I charge you in the presence of God gives life to all things, and of Christ Jesus, who in his testimony before Pontius Pilate made the good confession, to keep the commandment unstained and free from reproach until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which He will display at the proper time, He who is the blessed and only Sovereign, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light whom no one has ever seen or can see to him be honor and eternal dominion amen as for the rich in this present age charge them not to be haughty nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches but on god who richly provides us with everything to enjoy they are to do good to be rich in good works to be generous and ready to share thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. O Timothy, guard the deposit entrusted to you. Avoid the irreverent babble and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge, for by professing it some have swerved from the faith. Grace be with you. And this concludes today's reading from the New Testament, and it concludes our reading of Paul's first letter to Timothy. Paul continues to give Timothy pastoral instruction. He is to remind workers to respect their masters and not take advantage of them if they are brothers in the faith. Timothy is to have no tolerance for false teachers who will not submit to the Lord's instruction and godly teaching. He is to ensure that the church does not get distracted by controversial, tangential quarrels about words promoting their own causes and false grounds of righteousness. A big chunk of this chapter has to do with recognizing that God is our source of supply and that we are His asset managers. We are to steward all that He gives us to richly enjoy, as those who must give an account. We must learn to be content with the simple things in life, most importantly, the unspeakable gift of His life. I learned from a nurse who had returned from a third-world country, where she had served on a medical mission, that no one needed antidepressants. She said that there were many physical needs and that they were able to dispense much needed medication and treatments, but no one seemed to be suffering of the anxiety and griefs that come from having too much stuff. I have also found that joyfulness does not come easily to the wealthy. This is not an advocation of poverty, but it underscores what Paul says to Timothy, We are to learn contentment for the love of money is a root of all sorts of evil and some by longing for it have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs 1 timothy chapter 6 verse 10 money in itself is neither good nor bad it is the love of money that is a root not the root of all sorts of evil so many crimes are committed because of the love of money Poor decisions and the mistreatment of others occur because of the love of money. People are swindled, cheated, and robbed because of the love of money. People disregard their better moral sensibilities for the love of money. They give in to their foolish, harmful, destructive desires for the love of money. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 9, it is not a sin to be wealthy if our wealth enables us to do good for others. Jesus warns of the sin of covetousness it is idolatry he warns of the sin of greed you are a fool if you fail to be rich towards god and lay up treasures in heaven what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul timothy is to give these guidelines number 1 realize that one day all riches will be gone 1 timothy chapter 6 verse 7 and verse 17 number 2 be content with what you have in 1st timothy chapter 6 verse 8 number 3 check your motives in all financial decisions is this transaction pleasing to god what does this transaction reveal about what i value most highly what good will this purchase bring 1st timothy chapter 6 verses 9 through 10 number 4 love people more than money in 1 timothy chapter 6 verse 11 number 5 love the lord's work more than money Pursue righteousness, faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness, and lay up treasures in heaven. In chapter 6, verse 11, and verses 17 through 18. Number 6. Freely share what you have with others. In verse 18. Number 7. Remember your accountability as a faithful steward. You are the Lord's asset manager. Ask yourself the question, what assets has He entrusted you with? number 8 be thankful to god for what he richly supplies us for our joy learn the true content needed for contentment the lord himself 1 timothy chapter 6 verse 8 and verse 17 but godliness with contentment is great gain in verse 6 but if we have food and clothing with these we will be content in verse 8 Instruct those who are rich in this present world not to be conceited or to fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy, in verse 17. Paul's final word is a warning of the dangers of Gnostic mysticism. O Timothy, guard the deposit entrusted to you. Avoid the irreverent babble and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge. Remember that the Greek word for knowledge is gnosis, from which we get Gnostic or Gnosticism, a religious cult that prides itself on gaining secret mysteries and knowledge. Paul goes on to say, for by professing it, some have swerved from the faith. Grace be with you. Now let's move on to our next stop on our Bible reading tour, the book of Psalms and we will continue to read from psalm 89 beginning with verse 38 but now you have cast off and rejected you are full of wrath against your anointed you have renounced the covenant with your servant you have defiled his crown in the dust you have breached all his walls you have laid his strongholds in ruins all who pass by plunder him he has become the scorn of his neighbors you have exalted the right hand of his foes, you have made all his enemies rejoice, you have also turned back the edge of his sword, and you have not made him stand in battle, you have made his splendor to cease and cast his throne to the ground, you have cut short the days of his youth, you have covered him with shame, how long, O Lord, will you hide yourself for ever, how long will your wrath burn like fire?" Remember how short my time is, for what vanity you have created all the children of man. What man can live and never see death? Who can deliver his soul from the power of Sheol? Lord, where is your steadfast love of old, which by your faithfulness you swore to David? Remember, O Lord, how your servants are mocked, and how I bear in my heart the insults of all the many nations with which your enemies mock, O Lord, with which they mock the footsteps of your anointed. Blessed be the Lord forever. Amen and Amen. Considering today's readings, we can imagine this section of Psalm 89 upon the lips of the prophet Jeremiah as well as the psalmist. You remember that the first part of this psalm celebrated the glory of the covenant that God made with His King. This part, the second part of the psalm, laments the failure of the kings of Israel to keep covenant. But now you have cast off and rejected. You are full of wrath against your anointed. You have renounced the covenant with your servant. You have defiled his crown in the dust. Psalm 89, verses 38 and 39. We see the destruction of Jerusalem pictured in these verses. You have breached all his walls. You have laid his strongholds in ruins. In verse 40. YOU HAVE MADE HIS SPLENDOR TO CEASE AND CAST HIS THRONE TO THE GROUND, IN VERSE 44. THEN THERE IS AN URGENT REPRISE OF THE PRAYER, HOW LONG, O LORD? HOW LONG, O LORD, WILL YOU HIDE YOURSELF FOREVER? HOW LONG WILL YOUR WRATH BURN LIKE FIRE? PSALM 89, VERSE 46. THE PSALMIST REQUESTS THAT THE REPROACH THAT HAS FALLEN UPON THEM BE REMOVED, BUT THE FAITHFULNESS OF THE LORD IS NEVER QUESTIONED. THERE IS PERPETUAL PRAISE IN THE HEART OF THE PSALMIST, for the perfection of God's ways. Blessed be the Lord forever. Amen and Amen. Psalm 89, verse 52. Now let's go to our final stop in our Bible reading tour today, the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 25, verse 28. A man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. Self-leadership, self-awareness, and self-discipline these are aspects of self-control and a great asset. Self-control is a fruit of the Holy Spirit's indwelling in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. To be without it is to be left defenseless to the desires of the flesh and the work of the enemy. Now let's go before the Lord in the light of what He has revealed through our reading of Scripture. O gracious God and Father, forgive us for the times when we fail to heed Your word when we tune in when your commands agree with our fancy and tune out when you challenge us to obedience in the hard thing. We live in the most affluent period of human history. Keep us from the snare of covetousness and the lure of the love of money. You are in the right when you declare that our sins are condemnable. We thank you for your sovereign mercy demonstrated in the Holy One who provided a refuge from your wrathful judgment against sin. We thank you for Jesus, the perfect Savior, who offered the perfect sacrifice, who has made perfect peace on our behalf. May we walk worthy of the One who has called us to be holy and blameless in Your sight. In His name we ask it. In the matchless name of Jesus we pray. Amen. God bless you, friends, for being with us in our Bible reading tour, and we trust that we will be with you tomorrow as we continue reading the scriptures and starting Paul's second letter to Timothy. I pray that you have been encouraged. If you have any questions or comments, you can always write to us at podcast at newlife.org. And if you would like a written copy of our daily commentary, you can subscribe to an email where we have it all written out with illustrations by going to newlife.org. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit continue to be with us all. In Jesus' name, amen. Shalom.